Hi, and welcome to the 100th episode of the She Built This Podcast. My two-year anniversary for this podcast is coming up in July, and I just feel really excited and proud of myself that I've been at this little endeavor for a solid two years now. Um, And also, for those of you who have stuck with me that long, you're amazing, and thank you. You are the OGs. Um, Today, for my 100th episode, I thought it would actually be fun to hear from another OG original, my husband Jason, as we sort of close this first chapter of the podcast in a fun, I think it was fun, lively husband and wife conversation. So you're going to get a little bit uh, behind the scenes as to what it's like hanging out with me all the time and what it was like in our first business that we owned together. Also, the difference in running separate businesses and kind of like how we've just been on this pivot since 2012. And we are feeling like just now after nine years that we're starting to get our feet underneath us and feel like we have a really clear clear path and road ahead. So Jason and I met in 2011 and we've been married since 2015. He is truly my best friend and I think that you'll hear hear that come through in this episode. We have a lot of fun together. Um, but before I dive in, I kind of wanted to pre-fact check the episode because in editing it, I noticed a few things that I needed to clear up and I forgot to when we were recording. So first of all, I forgot to say that when we met the very first time, I had no idea who he was. It was a total coincidence that he just so happened to be my friend's brother who she was always urging me to meet. So we'll get into that. And then secondly, I think he was right. I think he witnessed me running once, which is embarrassing because I didn't know anyone was watching me run. Um, third, we didn't get into it quite enough, but our long distance situation, I mean, we were long distance for a long time in the beginning of our relationship, and it came with all kinds of communication obstacles that we had to overcome. But I, I think that, you know, if my memory serves me correctly, we have actually spoken every single day, spoken or text messaged, um, or we used to like chat on Gmail when I was in Europe, but we have spoken every single day from the day that we officially started talking until today. And I think that was part of what helped us to build such a strong foundation. And part of what, and, and that strong foundation, it's really what I credit for us being able to navigate all of the ups and downs that we've been through together with business and life for like almost the entire past decade. So I also, I didn't really get into just the actual number of pivots that we've made simply in the nine years that we've been together. I mean, it has been riddled with change. It has been everything from jobs to moves to friends and family. And I think we've just been on this quest to really find our path and find our groove and get stable. And at times it was really hard and it was really discouraging. It was painful, but we got through it together. And that's really the message that I want to bring out in today's podcast is we have been there supporting one another and our dreams both together and separately since day one. And for me personally, I just could not ask for a better person standing by my side. So 
Without further ado and enough mushiness, here he is, my third ever male guest, but really he is She Built This and my biggest cheerleader, the one and only Jason Aborn. Welcome to the She Built This podcast, where we are sharing the stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who are on a mission to create the new norm by following their dreams and making them a reality. I'm your host, Emily Aborn, and together we are inspiring, growing, and giving you the tools you need to bring ideas to life so you can build whatever this means for you. Hello, Jason Aborn, and welcome to the She Built This podcast. Uh, Thank you for having me. It's an honor. We tried to do this uh, a moment ago, and I used his nickname that I call him, and he kiboshed it. So we're just going to call him Jason from here on out. <laughs> Why don't you tell us who you are and what you do? Well, I am Jason Aborn. I am the husband of Emily. That's my main job. My job that I get paid for is I paint houses and... I'm in the process of also becoming a home inspector. Nice. And how long, tell everyone how long you've painted houses for and who you work with. Oh, um, yeah, I think I started painting in 2007 or eight after some stints of like warehouse work and, you know, that kind of thing. And I paint with my father. It's a perfect father-son duo. (laughs) All right, let's um, kind of tell some of our story. So how we met, and I guess I'll start by telling my version, and you can add in when I get the details wrong. How about that? Okay, sounds good. So the the way we met is actually a lovely little story. Um, I was friends with Jason's sister, Sarah, and I was working at the Green Grocer in Peterborough, New Hampshire, and Sarah was always telling me about her brother, and I'm like, no, I don't want to meet any more people. I don't want to meet anyone, and so I kept telling her, no thanks, and then you walked in with your father, I think on your way to a paint job. I think we were coming home, but yeah. Okay, and you guys were getting coffee. Um, and I made fun of some song that was playing on the radio. I actually wasn't making fun of for, you know, just to clear this up, I wasn't actually making fun of the song. I was just making fun of the music that they played in the place. And I think in that moment I was feeling self-conscious of whatever was playing. You were embarrassed to admit that you were a fan of banjo music. That's probably what it was. The person playing just so happened to be Jason's like one of Jason's favorite artists. Yeah, top five. (laughs) And so the snark was born in that moment. And I don't really know what happened from there. I feel like you came to try to see me at the Green Grocer a whole bunch of times and I was never there. (laughs) I did see you running there once. And I thought you were running because you were late. That's before I realized that you used to run. I don't think I ran. Oh, maybe it was I probably was late. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, um, it actually took us a while. I think we met in either May or June, and it took us quite a while to actually like formally meet and get together. Um, Jason moved to North Carolina right after that. And 
I changed jobs and then we had, he had a family um, Thanksgiving gathering where I went to Sarah's house the Friday night before, no, sorry, not the Friday before, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving and helped her like create soup and appetizers and stuff for people coming over and Jason showed up. Maybe it was the Friday after. See, now this is where I need your details. I think it was the Wednesday before and yeah, I heard Sarah had told me that you were going to be cooking. So I was like, oh, I'll show up a little early and win her over with my charm and awkwardness. <laughs> you did. It worked. Apparently it worked. I don't know. <laughs> and then that Friday after you guys had had your Thanksgiving, I do think Sarah invited me to your Thanksgiving, but I was going to Maine. But that Friday after Thanksgiving, uh, Jason's family typically goes out locally and they all went out and invited me to dinner and we all played games at my house after somehow and then that was it we were just it was from then on <laughs> yeah I mean you're really glossing over a lot but it's probably not important for the podcast yes yeah, we don't need them to know all the details <laughs> Um, I think it just meant a lot more to me. Perhaps. Oh no, that's not what I meant. I just we don't uh, want to we don't want to bog people down with the romance. Um, so then, uh, Jason lived in North Carolina. Still, I went to France for four months, and then after I spent that time in France, I was also cooking for an American family there. Which I know this is totally not in line with what I'm doing now, but. It was just like one of those things you do in your 20s, you know? So I went to France and when I came back, I didn't really know what to do next. And it just so happened that my parents lived in Charlotte, Jason lived in Raleigh. So I was like, I'll just stay with my parents in Charlotte and see what happens with this guy. And I guess you can fill in the details from there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was kind of like a perfect situation because you know it gave us enough space apart that it wasn't like oh you're just thrown into this what you think is going to be a long-term relationship but it kind of gave it some time to breathe by having you in charlotte and me in raleigh which is like two and a half three hour car ride so you know we had to you know make plans to see each other it wasn't every night so not that anyone needs breathing room from me <laughs> Well, I didn't want you to get overwhelmed with me, you know, so I had to, I had to spread it out over over a week, week, week space. So our first official date, Jason actually knows this date and I don't. It was sometime in April. The 24th. The 24th at, at Pool's Diner in Raleigh, where we ordered something called, o we were like, what's OBX fish? <laughs> it's the Outer Banks. <laughs> we o were rookies. OBX is it abbreviation for Outer Banks and every, literally literally everybody in North Carolina knows what that means and we just looked like Yankees. Yes. Which is not a bad thing. Yeah. So so then we both ended up living in Raleigh um, together for a while and Jason had a job at Sylvania, which did you like that job? Um, I mean, it wasn't a great job, but I never really, I don't think about work that way um it was i was freaked out about moving down there not having a job so i pretty much would have taken anything and if it paid the bills and gave me you know enough money to drive to charlotte every other weekend and take you out on the town then you know 
No, I didn't like the job. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I definitely want to get into that um, about kind of the difference in in how, because I've heard that a lot from you is that you don't necessarily need to be in love with the work that you do. And I know for me, it's like the complete opposite, as you know, right? because you're my husband. Um, So we'll get into that in a little while. Um, But yeah, Jason was working at Sylvania. Clearly, he's just confessed that he didn't entirely love the job. I worked at a bunch of restaurants and like a sushi place, which is a restaurant and a organic mattress store. And then I think we were, we were going on a walk one day around the lake next uh, where we lived. And I don't know what you definitely posed the question. You were like, what if we moved back to New Hampshire? And it was just in that moment that we decided that that was where we wanted to come back. We wanted to come back to community and where we grew up and the people that we know. And, um, I, I, what else drove our decision? I mean, it was probably summertime in North Carolina, which is just awful. So, you know, also, it's not a hard sell, New Hampshire versus North Carolina. <laughs> New Hampshire is obviously better. Yeah. I am quite biased, though, for your listeners. He is quite biased. I'm a fan of New Hampshire. So when we moved back, um, I, I mean, that was a pretty rapid process. Like, we made the decision, and I think three to four months later, we had we had moved back. Um, so when we moved back, we lived in this little tiny, like you guys hear the word tiny and you think I'm exaggerating. This place was tiny. The shower was tiny. (laughs) It was very small. Yes. Like I think we both, both of us had to crouch down to like get the water to hit our heads. It was absolutely very small location. Um, so that was at the Birchwood Inn in Temple, New Hampshire, which is actually where we live now. Not at and, the Birchwood, just in Temple. No, right, right. We don't still live in that tiny apartment. Thank you for clarifying. Yes, you're welcome. And that was where Jason proposed to me. And then we moved to another apartment in New Ipswich, got married, got the dog, and started a business all in that time. A very, very short amount of time. A busy year. Yeah. Um. So before we opened the business... I was working for a chiropractor and Jason was painting and I think we just sort of decided that we were going all in on this business and literally the only, I I feel like the only credentials that we had to start an organic mattress store was that I had worked for one. (laughs) That was it. We were like, oh good, I've worked for one. We'll just go ahead and open one of our own. Yeah. Thank God we didn't know better because we might not have done it. I really do think it gave us a lot of... um, life experience and business experience that really you can't really replace that you know and if if i had known what we were getting into i really would have said let's hold off and you know take a business class yeah i i totally agree that our naivety i think i pronounced that right is was our saving grace but that said I, I do think we did a really great job of learning the ropes quickly, and we did have all of our ducks in a row. You know, we, we had a business plan. We applied for a loan. We went through, like, all the hoops that they <laughs> – the burning <laughs> rings of fire that they threw our way to get that loan. Um, we got a website. We looked for retail space. Like, I feel like we kind of did it. <laughs> oh, definitely, yeah. But – I mean, looking back, there were mistakes were made. That's for yes. sure. Like yes. financial mistakes that, you know, thinking about it in, 
in now, like, I don't know, nowadays where I have a better grasp of, you know, business finances, it's like, oh my God, you guys bought a van off of the line of credit instead of, you know, buying it from the dealership. That's one example. It is. And hiring that guy that totally screwed us with the flooring project. <laughs> oh, the flooring guy, the website guy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we had no, we would just, we'd hire anybody. Let's just say I ended up putting the floors in next to this guy. That's true. It is true. I, I think I, I don't know where I was, but I you, think you, you installed the floor. Yep. Um, all right. So I want to know, I, I, I first want to say when we did decide to do this, I wasn't scared. Like I kind of knew that the business model was going to work and it didn't feel scary or risky to me. But I want to know if it felt scary or risky to you. Um, yes, but not so much while we were doing it because I think I was so optimistic that it was going to be a success because, you know, the store in Raleigh was a success. So how could ours not be? But as we owned the business, I mean, yeah, it was, and it was successful. I mean, it was financially successful. We lived off of that business, but I felt like I had a pit in my stomach, if that's the expression, like all the time. Just yeah. want, like always being like, oh my God, I wonder if she sold a bit. I wonder if any revenue was generated today. And it was tough. You know, Jason and I were on different schedules, which created different issues of its own. But like I had Mondays and Tuesdays off and he had the weekends off because he had ended up going back to painting while I m mostly manned the store and Jason did like deliveries and the books. Um, and I think that created a lot of jealousy for me. Like I didn't, you know, I would see all these people going off to enjoy their weekends and I was going to work in my retail store. And that was like really I mean, it was it was a bad attitude, but also it did create a lot of jealousy. So we just had like these different roles that they were very complimentary, but sometimes it came with tough things that you have to go through in your relationship, you know? Definitely. Yeah, it was it wasn't an easy situation. I mean, seeing you go to work on weekends, I felt guilty all the time. And then, you know, you had Monday and Tuesday off, not that. I didn't care about that. I didn't get jealous about that, but I just felt like it wasn't enough because you were still working on Monday and Tuesday, like with the store stuff. Yeah, we, we definitely, that was when we did like, or I did lots of networking and things. So this is a great question. Um, and my mom sent this question. She said, how did you divide the business chores so that you were successful and both of you did not burn out? And I think <laughs> we're kind of answering that question now, but I mean, we definitely divided business chores, but I, I think that we could have divided them better, you know? Yeah. We basically drew a line and it was like, okay, that's your part. And this is my part where I feel like it probably would have been a better situation for us to like, let those bleed into one another. Yeah. And, you know, I would work the store sometimes, but for the listeners, I am, very introverted so sitting in that store and having the anticipation of somebody come in was just like crippling and I think that's actually something um important for people to recognize is like 
you know, a lot of extroverted people are always trying to convince introverts to that this is how they should be. You know, they should be more outgoing and loosen up. And I think during the pandemic, it kind of showed how, you know, when extroverts don't get to be around people, it's really, really hard for them. And it's the same kind of anxiety and difficulty that introverts have to face when they do have to be around a lot of people. So it kind of showed like, that these things are not just things that we make up in our head being introverted versus extroverted like they're real things that people have to go through so yeah for sure and hopefully the extroverts of the world took the lesson that you did and maybe will show us a little more understanding show us introverts a little more understanding when we don't want to dance I was just going to use dancing as an example. <laughs> it's the number one. I mean, it's it's just like the thought of dancing to me is, wow, I get heart palpitations just sitting here. Okay, don't think about it. Don't think about <laughs> it. All right. So it's one thing to work a nine to five job and each come home to each other, which we experience in Raleigh. But when you are working in the same thing all the time, um, it can it can cause tension or wear on your relationship. So another question was, what safeguards did we build that ensured our relationship stayed strong apart from our business? I don't think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think we built those safeguards in. I think we really just kind of were winging it. And I think luckily our relationship is was and is so strong that really nothing was going to affect that, you know, in a, you know, more than just like having a discussion that, you know, it's not going to, it's not going to break us or anything. Like there's no, no part of that business could have done that, which luckily, because I think for the lack of safeguards we had, if we were in a, you know, not as a, as strong of a relationship, I think it could have broke us or and other, also- broke other people. And I was also thinking about it this afternoon. Um, I think we had like, you know, a lot of our conversations revolved around the store, but I think it was okay in a way because it's like when people have kids, you know, their conversations revolve around their kids. So it's a very similar kind of thing where we were building this thing together. And naturally that was like our shared uh, passion and interest at the time. And so a lot, it, it just was what it was. You know, I don't think that, like you said, we didn't mindfully put anything into place. Right. Um, all right. So this is just one last question on the mattress store. Since mattresses were your business, who was the primary decision maker about the mattress you purchased for your own use? <laughs> I think this is when we plug Sava or something. Who? Sava mattresses. <laughs> oh, is that what we have? No, that's not what we have. As you can tell, I think Emily was the decision maker there. Okay, true story though, our bed is a floor model. So we basically just took home the scraps of what we had left at the store before closing. We were like, yeah, we should probably choose a bed for ourselves. And we got the, the bad end of that stick. It's not terrible. However, the fact that I don't sleep in it like 50% of the time and I seek out more comfortable alternatives should tell you everything you need to know. (laughs) I.e. the guest bed. Yes. Which is super comfy, by the way. That chose us and I am happy about it. Yeah. How did we get that? Another floor model. That was a score. Yes. All right. So what came after the mattress store? 
um, we, we made the decision it's, and again, Jason said, you know, it was successful, but we saw the industry kind of going in a way that didn't, it it wasn't going to make good fiscal sense to stick with it. And even a lot of our vendors, we found competing against us and it was really hard. It was hard to compete against online. Um, and we paid a lot of money every month for that retail space. So it, it was like just covering that alone our expenses were really, really high. So we decided to close the business um, after four and a half years. And Jason basically was like, you're not starting another business. You're getting a real job. (laughs) I knew this was coming up. (laughs) Um, But I have a really hard time working for other people. And so it's not that I didn't apply to jobs because I actually did. Um, but I, in the back of my mind, I was trying to figure out like, what can I do? What am I good at? And there were pieces of our business that I loved running. You know, I loved like some of the business management side of things. I loved writing the blogs. I loved doing the social media, putting on the creative marketing hat every month. So I sort of started helping people with that aspect of their business. And then somehow that sort of like morphed into me becoming a virtual assistant. Well, by the time we were ready to close the store, um, I already had like a full docket of clients. Now, they were not paying me well, but I feel like it was enough that I could convince you to be like, let's just try this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think some growth had to happen. But yeah, I mean, you were generating a lot of business while working at the store. So it seemed like a, like worth a risk worth taking. Yeah. So it just sort of, I mean, we, we, I feel like we, honestly, I feel like we've been pivoting and moving and shifting left and right since 2012. And now we're both ready to be like, okay. Oh wait, no, we're not. Cause you have a pivot coming up soon. <laughs> that's okay though. That's, that's sort of, in line with what I do anyway and what I'm interested in. So it's not, I'm not, I mean, yes, I'm going to add a career or eventually switch a career, but it's not like I'm going to college and getting my doctorate. You know, I'm just going to put my interests to work as a home. But if you do want to go to college and get your doctorate, I'm fine with that. I mean, you can be a dentist, have a dentist salary. Um, so I guess through all of this pivoting and shifting, how do you feel as things have kind of like grown and, and evolved for us? I feel like things are finally falling into place. Um, specifically with your businesses, with both She Built This and, you know, the Emily Aborn business, it seems like we, we, we finally have... Um... Yeah, our feet underneath us. Um, all right. So you have been like my number one listener. You've heard every single episode. You've heard even the episodes that I didn't air. I know that we listened to two or three of those on the on a road trip sometime. Um, what do you think has been the best episode? Um, the one I think about a lot was the episode about streaking, not in the you know, college sense, but in the, you know, creating personal streaks for yourself, you know, doing 20 push-ups a day or 
you know, I really, that stuck with me and I try to implement that quite a bit. Yeah. You do a really good job of keeping a meditation streak going. Yeah. Well, thanks to your podcast. Yeah. Honestly, that podcast, I mean, I have been flossing my teeth every single day since December 9th. And I know <laughs> it's gross that I wasn't flossing my teeth every day before that, but I just was not good at keeping up the habit. Now um, you can't imagine I, not doing it, I hope. True story. I will get out of bed. If I look at my journal and I'm like, oh, I didn't floss my teeth yet, I will get out of bed and go well, do that's it. Good. Yeah. And same with journaling. I've been journaling since January 1st of 20. 21. I don't know what year it is, honestly. Maybe it was 2020. No, 2021. All right. What do you think the worst episode is? No, just kidding. You can't say that. <laughs> Probably this one once we... Uh... No, this is the best. <laughs> we'll see. I still might um, pull my veto power and say, no, this can't go out. You can't do that. <clears throat> I I looked through all of the episodes today and I... I don't know. I just couldn't decide which one was my favorite. I loved the streaking one, like you said, but I've enjoyed, I love hearing people's stories and having different guests on and different perspectives. And it's just all been very fun. And I'm very glad that I have been producing and recording them myself because that was another one of those things at the beginning that I think we just thought that we had to pay someone else to do. And lo and behold, it's not you can edit your own podcasts. Yeah, that was another like when we opened the store and you know made mistakes. It's like when you when you start something new, you just jump in and you don't have the answers yet. But luckily with the podcasting, you figured out like, oh wait, I don't need to spend, you know, $150 an episode to have this thing recorded and edited. I can do it myself. Yeah. Yeah. We we spent a lot of money on recording and editing at the beginning. Yes, we did. <laughs> And you totally supported it anyway, which I really, really appreciate. Well, you love doing it, and I like to see you happy. I also like shopping. <laughs> <laughs> you can do the podcast or go shopping. How about that? Hint, hint. <laughs> All right, let's do some fun Hold things. Hold on. Let, let's, let's make sure the listeners know I don't actually dictate what you do. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, they don't know. We just need to clear that up because it, sound, it sounded like you needed my permission. Well, I do not ask permission, but I, if I'm going to go shopping and spend a substantial amount of money, I'll let you know. Okay. All right. What is, we're going to do some rapid fire. Oh so boy. what is something that no one knows about me? Um, you, <laughs> <laughs> you are very helpful with what I deem my chores. So, for instance, this weekend, Emily uh, hauled probably about three cords of wood from the front of our house to the back while I stacked it. And, I mean, if I didn't have her for that, I'd still be out there right now and not doing this wonderful podcast. It was very fun. So you're good at manual labor. I guess that's, <laughs> I guess that's something uh, no one knows about you. And I don't think they would guess it looking at me either, so... <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. All right. Now I'm going to tell them something no one knows about you. You have the key of that Little Mermaid song, I Want More, nailed. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'll give some context. There's a commercial right now for like Google or something where they sing the Little Mermaid song and Jason just like right there with the key. Wait, you really think that or are you making fun? No, I really think that. Oh, I mean, you're good, actually, it sounds great in my head. Actually, something I truly don't think people know about you and I don't think you even know this about you, but you really do have a good voice. Mm. Okay. okay. He's not into that one. No, right. I am. I mean, you know. It's what I was given, so. <laughs> it's your God-given talent. <laughs> well, right. it's my given talent. Why don't you share um, a pet peeve of yours about me? Are you sure about that? Go for it. Um, well, you already know this, but you have a habit of really overdoing the amount of toothpaste required <laughs> to brush your teeth and probably... 75% of it ends up in the basin of the sink and just stays there. <laughs> and I go in and it's like, well, you better wash this out. But also, not sure if you noticed, I get a lot of compliments on my teeth. Your teeth are magnificent. Thank God you started flossing them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my turn. Okay. Um, and I literally don't know what you're going to say right now, so this could hurt. My pet peeve of yours is your tendency to leave piles of things places. Oh, yeah. Yes. That's a thing. Yeah. But I will say on that note, you know, we definitely have very different like organization and productivity uh, methods to our madness and it works for both of us. So even though like I do know that even though the piles are an eyesore, that the things in the piles are getting done and when they need to get done. And it's very important to have those piles. So I mean, let's clarify a little here. This isn't like an episode of hoarders. This is just like, <laughs> I mean, I'll have if I'm doing QuickBooks or something, I'll have I have a separate computer for QuickBooks. It's doesn't sound as glamorous as that. It's really like a 14 year old Dell laptop that only does QuickBooks because my MacBook doesn't do QuickBooks or because I'm not buying a new program. But so I'll have that going with, you know, some paperwork and, you know, it'll might linger around for a few days. It definitely lingers around. I do have some new t-shirts I bought on the kitchen table right now. They've been there for a couple of days. So it's just, I mean, but it's also fine. It's just a pet peeve. But I don't want anybody to think like, you know, it's like a landfill in here. <laughs> I don't have that much. Like, even if I took all my stuff and made a pile with it, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be that bad. You know why I really is this me justifying? Yes, but <laughs> that's okay. I just I justified mine. Um, I think the real reason, and, and we've talked about this before, the real reason it bothers me is because when I was a kid, we used to have like our dining room table was just covered in people's books and papers and clothing and sneakers. Like everything was just on the dining room table. Sneakers. I'm sure there were shoes. There was just everything was always say, on the... When you say people stuff, is this your brothers? My brothers, my parents, mine, just like everyone's stuff was everywhere. And I really thrive with an, a tidy, organized environment. And so I think it just like somehow goes back to my childhood, which most things do. The funny thing is, though, like I need tidiness also, but for some reason I'm blind to the piles. And... Honestly, like, I think we both are sometimes, and I'm not trying to justify again, but it's funny how, like, <laughs> we'll have, 
like we write ourselves checks or, or receive checks every week from the businesses to deposit into the personal account. And it's like, I like to bring them up to my office before or, or after they're mobily deposited, just so I can give it a week, make sure it hit, hit the bank account. But I'll put them on the stairs going upstairs. <laughs> They'll just stay there for like four days. And both of us will walk by them like 25, 30 times. And it's like, oh, yeah, maybe one of us could grab those. It's the same with the dryer balls. Like we have these dryer balls instead of dryer sheets. And I swear to God, there must be only six of them. And like four of them are always lying around the house at any given time. It's insane. But thank God Clyde doesn't like them. Yeah, I think Clyde took away a lot of my need for order and neatness. He took a lot of our OCD away. Yeah, but I think he also created more like those bunnies of his hair under under everything and just it's constant just thank god for Roomba that's all I gotta say yeah Roomba is a lifesaver all right so what's something you'd say we we do like we both have our separate interests what are things that you would say are our individual separate interests I think your interests are all about self-growth and business growth I mean you're always reading books and yeah, I would say reading and crossword puzzles are your interest. Yeah, that's true. Wow, I sound like a 90-year-old. <laughs> what did you have in mind when you asked the question? What were you thinking about your interests were? Oh, I was just thinking, no, things that, you know, I think some people look at us. I do think that some people look at us and they think like, oh, they must do everything together. But actually, oh, even, no. yeah, we don't really actually do a lot of things together because we have very separate interests. Yeah, mine is maintaining the home front in a sense of like chopping wood, mowing the lawn, uh, you know, upkeep of the house, which I love doing. I mean, it, it literally is an interest of mine, but you don't really no, delve I don't, into No, I don't that. really like those things, <laughs> which is bad. I want to very much like them, but I don't. I did enjoy hauling the wood though. Cause it you was seem like, to enjoy it. Yeah, I don't really like like lifting weights and doing heavy things and strenuous things. And this was actually very pleasant, despite mm-hmm. being all of the above. So, well, that was a, quite the workout. Um, all right. So, what's something we we make sure always to do together? I know my answer. Um, we have dinner together every night. That is so true, and it's kind of like a non negotiable for me. Like I know a lot of people you know, one person might eat in front of the TV and another person might eat later, but we do like to enjoy dinner together every night. And I really love that. And thankfully we eat very early. So, you know, if there's a Bruins game or a Celtics game and I have permission to watch it, (laughs) we're usually done with dinner by then. Because once again, we're 90 and then we turn on Jeopardy. (laughs) We actually kind of stopped watching Jeopardy. Rest in peace, Alex. Yes. Um, but I was thinking the other thing that we enjoy together is like taking walks and hikes. Although right now we don't walk in the woods cause I don't enjoy the deer fly. So, but that's usually something that we try to do together. Um, all right. So my last question is what would you say out of these four Acts of service, quality time, words of affirmation, and physical touch are your is your number one love language. Um, I would say for me, I I like words of affirmation. 
that's what you like me to, like you like me to tell you nice things about yourself. Yeah, I like to receive words of affirmation. Wow, that is so interesting. So did I, you not know that? I I I am really glad we're talking about this because I definitely thought because you are so good at, with acts of service. Like I do feel like when you help me with cleaning or whatever the thing is, that's your way of like showing love. And oh yeah, no, that is. Sorry, I think maybe I'm misunderstanding the question. You're I not. Thought... You're not. But so then I would have expected that to be the way that you that that would be your number one receiving love language too. Oh, I see. Um, I do. I, I mean, yeah, I really appreciate you know the things that you do, but I just like to be told I'm doing a good job. <laughs> Wow, this is amazing. I'm so glad this if this is all that came out of this podcast, it's a win. This like just saved our ma- no. Just I'm sure your listeners are very thankful to know my love language. Yeah, that's funny. Um mine is also words of affirmation, which I feel like I kind of like mm, I'm pretty obvious about because I'm like, "Look, look, look what I did." <laughs> Uh, Would you say that I'm good at giving words of affirmation? Yeah. Really? Yes. Good. So what would you say is next? Like what's in store for us next? I mean, you just have so many things going on all the time and they all seem really promising. So it's just an adventure seeing what is going to happen next. And I think it could be really anything you want or we want because it seems like everything you're doing is working. Yeah. And, and that's he, a great, that's a great feeling. And for you, like, I do think, like you said, this is kind of a time of stability for us, but at the same time, like stability doesn't have to come at the lack of new things and excitement. And I think your choice of like choosing home inspection as your next step is kind of the, along the same lines, you know, like it's, it's very new and exciting, but at the same time, it's not like crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's funny though, that stability to us is like people with nine to five jobs would probably look at that and be like, oh my God, how do you live like that? Like, yeah. you, you guys don't get a regular paycheck every week. And, but it's like, this is as stable as we get and it feels good. Um, all right. Do you feel like I that there's anything you want to add or ask that I didn't cover? I mean, if you guys want to talk about firewood more, we could do that. <laughs> but <laughs> he, this man seriously has a process. I mean, I'm not going to give away the process because I feel like he could like teach classes on it at this point. So if he ever wants to monetize that, I don't want to give away the farm. <laughs> but he's got like this. It's pretty simple, you know. Cut, split, stack. No, but like the drying and like what is drying and what is not. And it's oh, just like this yeah. whole cycle. Like every side of the woodshed has like it's specified. I mean, I stacked wood or brought wood over today that was like four different. It had like four different designations. Like this is oak and it's going here. This is firewood and it's going here. <sighs> These are short pieces and they're going there. It was like crazy. He has yeah. like this entire operation going on. So yeah, if you have any questions about firewood. Oh yeah, bring it on. Hit I us love up. talking that. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining me and um, being game for for my hundredth episode. It was fun. I hope I, I was very nervous going into it. I'm, so I hope that didn't come through too much. 
Well, do you feel less nervous now? Yeah. Should we start over? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me. To learn more about She Built This and to join our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org.